Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars. The games. Starting defense. Place at the table. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. A comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. Mike and Rashad with you. Got uh, a game to react to, a game to preview, and then hit it or love it all coming up the rest of this hour. So let's react first to the game from earlier yesterday, the one o'clock game. The Texans and the Colts, which third time those two teams will be facing each other this year, or did face each other this year. First two games were split. Each team won on the other's home field. And there was a lot of buzz about this game being one that would be interesting, that would be close. And I, for one, thought the Texans would win this game. I was very wrong, as the Colts beat them 21-7. to This was a very, very strange game. The Colts came out on absolute fire. They couldn't do anything wrong. Their first two drives were essentially perfect. They scored two touchdowns immediately. And then they had a, a punt. And then they scored again in the second quarter to make it 21-0. And you're like, wow, this Colts team is just insane in this game. And it's not even going to be close. Second half, Colts can't score. Second half, the Texans defense showed up. But Deshaun Watson continued to play poorly. So to me, there's two things that that were big standouts for me in this game. One, Deshaun Watson looked bad. Deshaun Watson made 10, 15 bad throws. And not bad as an intercepted, although he did throw one pick. Just underthrown, weirdly placed. Ball didn't come out of his hand well. Just a ton of really strange, non-Deshaun Watson-like throws. So that's one. And two, oh my God, the Colts' offensive line is incredible. Because you have a defensive line of J.J. Watt and Jadeveon Clowney and you've got good linebackers, including Whitney Merciless. And Andrew Luck had all day plus Sunday to stand back there and make decisions. They couldn't get close to him. Oh, and not to mention that Marlon Mack ran for 148 yards on the ground. I knew that the Colts had turned it around. They, they started slow this season, and they, they were not super great early on. And I, I, I'd heard about their offensive line, but to be honest, I hadn't watched a lot of Colts football this year. I found them kind of boring. And... That offensive line, I was in awe of so, how good it was. So, I'm going to hit you with this number. Quiz. I'm going to hit you with this number, man. <clears throat> Deshaun Watson. Who can, can anybody guess who are the top three most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL this year? Deshaun I just Wa- gave you one. Deshaun Watson is okay. number one. I know that. I think he was sacked like 62 times this season. 63. 63. Oh, excuse me, 65. 65 was that times. including yesterday? No, yeah. not including. No, it is including inc- yesterday. Yeah, it's including yesterday 65 times. Uh, number two... They're pretty, they're relatively easy. Derek Carr. We've talked probably. about all three of them today. Derek Carr is probably number two, isn't he? No, sir. What? Number two. 
uh, the quarterback from the Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, oh, at 57. That's interesting. I did Num- not know that. Number three, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, okay. Can you, do you care to guess how many times Andrew Luck has been sacked this season? Uh, I think I know the answer to that. What is it? Like 18? 18 times. Yeah. There's one other superstar quarterback in the entire NFL that's been sacked less than him, and that's Drew Brees. Great offensive line, great weapons around him. Oh, the Saints are a, what a two seed or in the NFC, so they're they're a pretty good team, right? Yeah. Man, Andrew Luck in this offensive line, and that's what nobody's talked about all season. The fact that Andrew Luck, you said he had all time all day to throw yesterday because that line, man, put JJ Watt on on his butt a lot of the time. And you know, Clowney, they they, 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 they made Clowney look JV a lot of the time. It, it was this is what the Colts have been building for. You keep asking. Why aren't they drafting a receiver? And why aren't they drafting this? And why aren't they going here in the first round? I said, this is why. So I'm you not asking keep... that. No, there are a lot of people that, you know, they want to, during the draft, nobody wants the the, the left tackle. Nobody see, wants the, 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 the right guard because that's not flashy. But the you Colts can't have sell... been drafting receivers in the first round for years like idiots. Exactly. And <laughs> Andrew Luck has been hurt for like four of those years. And so now you have a, you had an opportunity to build an offensive line around your quarterback, and, man, Andrew Luck has thrown 39 touchdowns on the year. And this is after coming back from a, from a, a crazy surgery that we didn't even know if he was going to be able to throw the football the correct way again. So this Colts team, you mentioned incredibly vanilla, and I think that's fine with them. You know, just kind of under the radar. Nobody thought the Colts would be in this position. They're essentially the the Seattle Seahawks of the AFC. Like, you know, outside of – Andrew Luck, what else do they have? T.Y. Hilton is good, and we know it. But oh, he's good, yeah. Yeah, we, we knew it, but it was like, uh, T.Y. Hilton was a second, possibly a third-tier receiver in a lot of people's eyes, you know, but nobody ever really gave him uh, that recognition. But, yes, man, this offensive line, this quarterback, uh, this head coach, like I think the Colts are finally in a position to where they're going to dominate this AFC South for the next little bit. The, the Colts draft this year was amazing at the top of it. Because they got their first pick was Quentin Nelson, the guard from Notre Dame. Looking at uh, an SI article on it, a grade D plus. They graded that a D plus. Nobody wants that guy. Show, but showing him, showing the film yesterday, they there was a Brian Baldinger does these little recaps of offensive line play a lot on Twitter, and he, he's actually pretty good. He has some good in, insight on it, and he was showing Quentin Nelson's play yesterday. He was double and triple teaming guys. He basically would go through three guys, block all three of them, and completely save Andrew Luck's left side. He started by doubling J.J. Watt on one, and then Jadeveon Clowney was coming around on like a, I forget the name of the play, where the, the defender moves into a different gap from where he started okay. and then and then and runs at the quarterback. He then stopped that and was able to also reach his right arm out to, to help double team the guy the center was, was blocking. It was incredible. And then their second pick was linebacker Darius Leonard from South Carolina State. And he was also – so he and Nelson were both in their rookie season first-team All-Pro. Yeah. That's which is the highest honor you can get in the NFL. Yeah, that's not Pro Bowl. Pro. Like, I think people need to put that into context. Pro Bowl, everybody makes the Pro Bowl. People say, oh, I don't want to play, so then next man up. All-Pro means you are – this is first-team All-NFL. That's what this is, first and second team and – to, to be named that as a rookie, man, that's huge. And so the Colts have two of them. And so that sh- it should be noted that moving forward that they should be one of those teams that not just dominate the AFC South, but quite possibly as, as Brady and Roethlisberger are getting older, possibly dominate the AFC as they move forward. 
The uh, the stat I saw in the game yesterday that I thought was incredible. They're the first two rookies to make first team All Pro in the same year since Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers did. Pretty back, good guys back in the '60s, and they're pretty good, right? Uh, yeah, some of the best. Yeah. So I just <laughs> thought that was incredible because I mean, you think of those two names, you hear Gail Sayers and Dick Butkus, you go, "Whoa, Hall of Famers." Now, you don't necessarily think that because Leonard and Nelson are rookies and it's their first year, but really, really impressive job drafting by the new Colts GM who thankfully drafted team needs and not another wide receiver because that's what Jim Mercer and the other guy was doing. And, and you know, at the time, year. if you've watched the draft, you know, and these guys get drafted and they pick the offensive lineman from Mercer and everyone goes crazy and starts booing because who the hell is this guy? And then he comes in and he's dominant for you. And you're like, oh, okay, there it is. Like, it's it's just really hard to sell offensive linemen because no one ever goes to the game to watch the offensive line. You go to the game and watch a defensive lineman. If there's a if you have a Jadavian Clowney that plays for your team, then and you know he's dominant, then yeah, I'll go check him out. But if you have a, a dominant left tackle, like no one's going to the game to watch him, you know, and that's just kind of one of the things. So they're really unheralded. They're the 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 silent stars that kind of get it get it done. And right now the Colts looks like they got two of them. The other on the flip side, though, for the Texans, very similar to the Seahawks, in my opinion, vanilla, bland play calling. And Deshaun Watson looked bad. He really did. He did not look ready for the moment, which is strange because he's a guy who's always been ready for the moment. But he did not look ready for the moment. He made a ton of bad throws. The one that it stands out most in my mind is when they went for it on fourth down the first time in the red zone when they were down 21-0. It was in the second quarter. All they needed was one yard to get the first down and they throw it in the end zone, DeAndre Hopkins was wide open. And Deshaun Watson just made a terrible throw, which he threw it like three yards to the right of him, or I guess his left, and it just skipped off the ground, and there was no way he could have caught it. That was an easy touchdown if he just hits DeAndre Hopkins in the hands because he was open, and he and he missed him. And there were multiple times in the game where he short, short through balls, short arm balls, and just looked bad. And the play calling didn't help either. And, and we found out with DeAndre Hopkins being slightly banged up, which he was, he was nursing a calf injury all game or, or some sort of a lower leg injury, and pretty good defense played on him. They had no weapons at no. all. No, he did a good job, but Fuller was hurt, don't forget, and none of the running backs came to play. They really didn't have a lot of weapons outside of Hopkins this year. No. Uh, you know, Cootie was the, was the number one receiver for the Texans yesterday, and that's not something that you'll typically see. But even still, he had 110 yards. So receiving, he had a great game. Sean Watson, you you look at a stat line and you'll say, okay, well, you know, he had 235 yards and a touchdown, and you know, but yeah, it was the way he had two. He, he had, had 235, but he threw he threw 50 times damn near. He threw 49 times. He had 20 that's not what you passes. that's not what you want Deshaun Watson doing. He's a great playmaker. Don't get me wrong. Deshaun Watson is has the ability uh, to extend plays with his feet, and also his arm is strong enough to where he can make plays. And you got a guy like Deshaun or like uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you can definitely make plays down the field. I think he tried to do too much and i don't know if it was just a nerves thing or whatever the case is but he just didn't look as sharp as he did even this even in a few sample size games we saw last year deshaun watson this year has been kind of an up and down guy you know he's been he's at the beginning of the season everybody was kind of doubting him including me like i don't know if this guy is really the the dude that we thought he was you can do anything in four games nobody's seen you then he you know kind of had a resurgence but he's been kind of an up and down like one touchdown, one interception game, four touchdowns, no interceptions, one touchdown, no interception. Like it's been there's 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 been a weird ebb and flow with him. I, I think this was an interesting game because all season long I was kind of looking at the similarities between 
Houston and Seattle and what kind of teams they are. And, you know, their, their big weakness on offense, offensive line. Seattle made something out of that offensive line. Houston failed to do so. And when you think about how comfortable um, Russell Wilson felt back behind that offensive line this year and how little he had to use his legs, then you look uh, at Houston, how bad that offensive line played, how how uncomfortable Watson was all season long. Um, that tends to lend itself into erratic play, uh, unaccurate passes. And Seattle was able to overcome that this season. In retrospect, Houston wasn't unable to. Seattle stuck to their guns on their game plan in that that game last night. And as much as you guys dislike it, they were in it till the end. Houston did not stick to their normal game plan. And when you think about what they did all season long, they tried to limit um, Deshaun Watts' passing attempts. He was averaging right there in the mid-20s, right along with Russell Wilson all season long because they wanted to be a running team. How much did you see him run yesterday? Very little. That run, they, they basically gave up on that run game immediately in that game, which to me was the biggest problem for Deshaun Watson. You don't get play action off of that. You don't have the balance of a running and a passing game. And when you just put it all on Deshaun Watson's shoulders and every, and, and one of the things that Indy was doing great is they were, they were keeping a, a safety over the top specifically for, um, for new for um, Hopkins and they had that corner underneath, it made it impossible to get to your only receiver that you have. So it made it very hard for Houston to be successful, especially with that game plan and giving up on the running game. All right, let's break. Coming up next, let's preview the final game of the day today, which is Rams-Bears. By the way, still scoreless Ravens charges. They both have punted the ball once early in this game. If you have yet to turn that on and are still listening to us, thanks for staying. Appreciate it. Uh, let's let's preview Eagles Bears, and then we got hit or love it after that. This is football Sunday on the fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Fumbled snap on the first play of the second drive for the Ravens. They wind up getting it back, but now it's second and 25. That's tight. The Chargers probably should have gotten the, the ball, by the way, but they didn't. Oh, they fumbled and again. They fumbled again, and this time the Chargers did get it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good start for the Ravens offense here. You know what it was. It's Ray Lewis ruining for the Ravens what are you talking about Ray Lewis coming out in the little pregame like why do you get to come out like don't take this moment away for these the guys that work to get here like why do you get a wait Ray Lewis was there yeah he did the little intro and did his little stupid dance everything about Ray Lewis is silly to me now so oh you mean because he uh he murdered two people what well, well, well what allegedly allegedly we should say that's for legal purposes you know so but no I just it's just because I don't mean, he just just talks I don't like people that just talk the sake of talking you hear me he does just like to talk he loves to hear the sound Follow of his Rashad, own voice we are currently on a radio show where we just talk yeah but i we try to make sense I think that's the do thing. you think ray lewis doesn't try to make sense i think ray lewis says what appeases to a certain crowd and i think that's what what, what oh, his so thing he, is he's like strategically yes all over yes. the place he's yes he's he's one of them i don't know what that means but okay i'll explain later okay i I don't particularly love Ray Lewis either. I think it's weird that he continually gets to be like the voice of the Ravens, even though he hasn't played for them in years and years and years. But I digress. Let's move on to previewing the last game of the day today, which is Bears and Eagles. Again, in my mind, 
the Bears are a clear-cut favorite in this game. The Eagles skated their way in thanks to a Vikings loss in Week 17, and they have looked a shell of last year's team, the Super Bowl-winning team. Now, I know Nick Foles is playing, and sure, he was the one who won the Super Bowl last year, but it's a different year. It's a different team. Uh, they have absolutely no running game whatsoever due to injuries to Jay Ajayi and really poor play from the trio of Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood and Darren Sproles, actually the, the quad the quad head, of, uh, and then Jamal Adams is the other guy. But they haven't played well. The receiving core has not played super great. Alshon Jeffrey has not been as impressive as we thought he would be this year. Nelson Aguilar did not take the next step. Golden Tate's been awful since he got traded there. The only guy who's consistent is Zach Ertz. And their defense looks bad this year too, which was a strong suit of them last year. So to me, the Bears, who have one of the best defenses in the NFL and a competent offense, should wipe the floor with the Eagles later. But it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. No, um, you know, I'm, I'm with you. The, the Bears should go in there and be the better team. The only thing is the Eagles have guys on this team that have actually competed in that Super Bowl last year. So to say that experience is going to come into to play here I think would be a little bit of an understatement. Not only did the Eagles play in the uh, playoffs last year, they won the whole damn thing and, you know, and beat up on a Patriots team. And this is with uh, Nick Foles at the helm. So – I think the Eagles have an opportunity to win. They they played well in their last three games. Uh, you know they obviously beating the Rams, beating the uh, beating the Texans, and then going into Washington and winning that in Week 17. So they've played well. You know down the stretch and really going into the playoffs, it's all about who's playing the best football. Like right now, I don't think anybody really wants to play Dallas. Dallas has been again in playoff mode since Week Eight, Week Nine. They know that they can't lose any more games, and, and that's the type of game that they're playing. Right now, man, Philadelphia has won uh, five of their last six games. So they're at least playing with a little bit of confidence. Nick Foles is the best backup quarterback in the league, arguably ever. You know, like, I mean, I know everybody, the first thing everybody brings up is Steve Young. Well, Steve Young got a chance to be a starter and a Hall of Famer and all that on his own. So he's not really a backup quarterback. That's like calling Aaron Rodgers a backup quarterback. Like, he, you knew he was going to be the starter eventually. You know, this is one of those things for Nick Foles that even after winning a Super Bowl, he still went back to the bench. And so now that he's back in the situation, I think he has a lot that he feels like he needs to prove. So, man, I, I, I trust Philadelphia a little more in this situation just because they're at least proven. I don't trust the Bears because this is where this is the first time we've seen them back in the situation since like Erlocker. That is true. It's been a very long time for the Bears. By the way, just throwing this out there, this just happened. Melvin Gordon down with his knee getting checked out after a couple of runs near the goal that's, line. That's not good. It looked like his offensive lineman stepped on his foot while he was making his cut, which kind of made his leg bend in an awkward way, and then he banged knees with the offensive lineman after that. So it could just be kind of an ankle-slash-bone bruise situation, or remember he was out with an MCL injury for a couple of weeks earlier this year as well. So that is uh, something to keep an eye on for this Chargers-Ravens game that's on TV right now. You're right about the Bears having – Basically no experience at this at this point, but I think, I don't know. I think experience is, it's not overrated, but it's over-talked about. People are like, oh, if you have experience, you're that much more ready. In some cases, that's true, but I think when the disparate, disparity in talent is so high, which I think it is on these two teams at the moment, I don't think that matters because this Bears defense has just, I mean, it's it's similar to, 
uh, yesterday's game with the Cowboys defense. The defense could carry them all the way to the Super Bowl. That's how good it is. Thanks, John Gruden, for Khalil Mack. Now we're even better than we were to start the year on defense. If you've watched the Bears, I've watched them play a lot this year. Their defense completely suffocates good offenses. And the Eagles are not a team that is a good offense. So what's it going to do to them? And then they might have more experience because of what happened last year. But to me, when the talent disparity is that high, it shouldn't make that much of a difference. And I don't think Mitch Trubisky is that bad. I know he hasn't been surefire this year. But to me, he is good enough. And I don't know if he's going to be a franchise quarterback for them, but he's a game manager enough that he can he can get this team to win this week. No, Tr- Trubisky, and, and this is kind of what all the teams that are projected to win, man, they have two things. They have a, a great offensive line. They have a great quarterback. You know, tr- or excuse me, they have a great defense. And Trubisky gets to be one of those guys that goes right back into that conversation. You know, pretty good offensive line, great defense. And that's the one thing you know. Like, all the teams that are – projected to win like I think a lot of people know that the Chiefs are good nobody really expects the Chiefs to win anything though am I is that is that fair to say like I mean I think we all think the Chiefs are, are a talented team offensively Patrick Mahomes has been great but we've seen the the Chiefs wet the bed a lot you yeah, know and being in this situation so I think a lot of us are kind of like eh, yeah they they could be good you know because they don't have a great defense the Patriots you know a team that I hope goes all the way to the Super Bowl uh that defense is eh. Okay, all the teams that we've been talking about, like, man, they are scary, man. The Baltimore defense, they can hurt you. Uh, this, um, that, d- excuse me, Dallas defense, man, they can hurt you. Like, all the, the Bears, like, that's a team that you said on paper, they should have no problem beating this Philadelphia team because their defense is just better. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. So Trubisky just has to not make mistakes. Like, I think that's the big thing for him. Just don't go out there, out there and screw it up. Right, don't try too hard. Yes, and I, I think that's what uh, a little bit of what Deshaun Watson was doing. Like he wanted to really, he's used to making those plays. You know, he's we've we've seen it from him for three years, at three four years at Clemson. He's used to going out there and being the guy to make the play. I think sometimes uh, you get in a little bit too too much in your head, and I think that's what happened to him last night. If if Trubisky can go out there and just play his game, then I think the Bears will be fine. I do think. We've seen Trubisky the last half of the season, maybe the last couple of games of the season, if you want to narrow it even further. He's just playing safer, smarter football because I think when he gets in trouble is when he does throw the ball downfield more often. I'm not sure he's fully to that point yet where I trust him to throw the ball down the field. He's really, really good at underneath throws to guys like Tart Cohen, Trey Burton is tight end. Um, couple of smaller receivers if they're underneath if they're within 10 15 20 yards he's really really consistent and really accurate you get a little bit deeper not so good that's why Allen robinson has not had very good of a year because he's more of a deep threat guy for that offense and don't be fooled by trubisky's couple of four or five touchdown games he's had this year that's not that's not he, his game that's not who he is it's not who he is yet he might get to that point remember he's a top one of the top picks but right now he plays a safe offense they need that defense to do a lot and him to do just enough for them to win this game. This this reminds me a lot of Joe Flacco early in his career. Strong, strong, strong defense. Just don't make big mistakes. And, you know, you won't carry us in the playoffs, but you don't have to be what sinks us in the playoffs. And I think that's basically what Trubisky is in his career. And I don't know. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite guy, but I think he's a guy that's going to be a stable quarterback for this franchise for the next 10 years. So, I mean... Uh, 
it's a franchise quarterback without necessarily being a quote unquote franchise quarterback. Correct. All right, let's break. Coming up next, hate it or love it time. I don't even know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You won last time. I did? Yeah. You knew that. No, I don't. I don't remember. Uh, So that's next. And uh, we'll keep an eye on the Chargers-Ravens game, by the way. 3-0 Chargers. The Melvin Gordon injury led to a Austin Eckler goal line rush, which went nowhere, and they kicked a field goal. So 3-0 Chargers at the moment, middle of the first quarter. We'll keep you apprised of what's happening there. And we'll do Hit It or Love It next on Football Sunday and the Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. You know what that music means. We're going to go back to a classic beat. That's what it means. I actually heard this song in full on my iPod the other day. It just came up on Shuffle. It's a good song, right? It is a good song. Yeah. Although my wife was in the car and she was like, I know all the 50 Cent's parts. And I'm like, this isn't even a 50 Cent song. It's a game song. With 50 Cent. Yeah, it's one of, although, well, it is, it's it is on, your song. It's, it's your song. It's on Game's album. Yeah, but it's your song. Like, if we have a cut, if you and me do a song and it becomes one of the best songs ever, then I'm going to you. I'm gonna do that verse or that part every single time I get an opportunity. Well, that's fine. I'm just yeah. saying it's on the Game's album. Yes. So it's technically a Game song featuring 50 Cent. But it's his song, too. Okay. I'm just saying. It's his record, too. You're just saying. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to hit or love it. Jesse, what do you got for us today? All righty. Um, well, let's start with the uh, Chargers and uh, Mr. Rivers. Um, now, Philip Rivers is possibly one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks of the last, like, 15 years. He's just kind of, oh, he's good, but, you know, they never win anything. Part of that Chargers team that always Chargers it. Fact of the matter is, he is a damn good quarterback. Love or hate, with the with um with how that the team's going, with just how they've rolled this season, this is Rivers' best chance at winning a Super Bowl this season. Uh, love. Um, and that that sucks. That sucks to say because uh, I'm not saying he won't be in this situation next year, but football is such a fickle sport. You never know. You look at a team like the Philadelphia Eagles and where they stand right now after winning a Super Bowl, you thought they would be right back in that in contention. And they're just, they just kind of limped in. Uh, Phillip Rivers is somebody who's been incredibly consistent for the most part of his career. He's had some down years in between there, but really with some injuries around his teammates and, and uh, losing some great coaches. I think that when they lost Marty Schottenheimer is really when everything kind of went down uh, for his career at that point. You lost LaDainian Tomlinson, obviously, to uh, to retirement. So you've lost a lot of the key guys that were around you. This is the first year in a long time where you've got a, a healthy Joey Bosa who's made made that defense um, look much different. You've got a great running back for the first time since you had LaDainian Tomlinson and Melvin Gordon. Uh, when he can stay healthy, he's one of the most dynamic players in the entire NFL. Uh, and then you, you've got a guy like Keenan Allen who has just become a stud wide receiver over the past few years. And then for the first time, everybody is healthy. This is what we haven't been able to say about the Chargers team forever. Like, everybody's been hurt. They figured out some way to, like Lynch always says, charger it and figure out some way to cough things up. This is the first time in a long time the Chargers look like just uh, the most one of the most competitive teams in all of football. Um, I'm going to say hate because I think that time already happened, and it was in 2007 when they made it to the AFC title game. 
and lost to Rashad's New England Patriots Hey-o. by just one touchdown. That team had Phillip Rivers, LaDainian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, Vincent Jackson, Chris Chambers. Uh, Sean Merriman. Malcolm Floyd was on that team. Yeah, Sean Merriman was on that team. Darren Sproles was on that team. There was a lot of really good players on that team, and that was a younger Phillip Rivers, and it was a better defense for them as well. And actually, in, that, in those playoffs, I'm pretty sure they held... Yeah, they held the Titans to six points, and then they beat the Colts 28-24. That was Peyton Manning being held to 24 points in that game as well. That was their best chance to win a Super Bowl because there's too many good teams in the NFL this year where I don't think the Chargers are at that level of being a top team in the AFC. The Chiefs are better. The Patriots are better. And they're going to run into one of those two next week and likely lose that game, in my opinion. So it's their second best chance, but I think their best chance was 2007. I like that. Going back, reaching into history, kind of, kind of bringing it up. That was a damn good team. It was. Oh, they were. Good. They were so dope. That was a, that was a scary game too, man. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, pretty pretty solid rookie class of quarterbacks this year. Um, I think uh, the one kind of outlier that you're hoping is going to make a turnaround in sophomore season, Josh Rosen. But there were two guys that I think had a lot of huge question marks that came in this season in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson um, as to how they would translate. And uh, Lamar Jackson led the Baltimore Ravens to the game that we're watching right now. Josh Allen um, (laughs) had more rushing yards than Lamar Jackson. Um, Love or hate, what you're seeing out of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson is fool's gold. Uh. Mm. Out of both of them? I, I guess you could choose one to, like, you could maybe make the argument that one's not fool's goal, but I, I think that they are very similar in that respect. So, uh, well, I, I, I love that Lamar Jackson is not fool's goal. I think he's going to be one of those guys, and, and with, with a little bit of coaching, he's going to be really good. Like, I'm, at this point, you know, he's he's a game manager. It's the one thing to keep going to, he's incredibly athletic. At this point, he doesn't have any great receivers. He doesn't have a, a, a really a great run game. So he doesn't have a lot of the weapons that some of these other running backs have. If you're Josh Allen, at least you have the benefit of a Shady McCoy. At least you have somebody there that you know is going to be a Pro Bowl level running back for the most part when he's able to be there and able to be healthy, which has been relatively often, you know, for, for Shady over the last little bit. So if you're Josh Allen, at least you got some some room there with a star to play with, man. Who are you playing with if 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 you're Lamar Jackson? You play with a great defense. You know that, but you don't really have anybody around you to help you make plays like that. So I think Josh Allen's going to continue to struggle just because until they figure out how to play football in Buffalo, much the way the Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Browns did, I think they're going to struggle for a little bit. I'm going to say I love that they're both fool's gold. I think they are both fool's gold. I'm going, to start with, I'm going to start with Josh Allen. Josh Allen was a guy who we knew going into last year's draft. We all said with certainty he's not going to pan not out ready. in the NFL. He's not ready. This year was just proof of that. A, he's not a running quarterback. He's a guy who threw the ball at Wyoming. He threw the ball a lot. He was known for his arm strength. He was known for his height and his ability to throw the football. If Josh Allen is relying this much on running the football, he is even further away from being ready than I thought he was in the NFL. And the Bills don't have anybody. LaShawn McCoy is going to die on the field soon because he keeps getting hurt. They have a couple of young receivers who looked okay this year, but they have nobody who's going to be able to really help elevate Josh Allen's game. So that's the start of that. I think Lamar Jackson is fool's gold because – we have not seen a quarterback who is a run-first quarterback succeed in the NFL except for one guy, Cam Newton. 
the rest of them start off well, right? They're new, they're talented, they're athletic, they're interesting, they're different, they're tough to plan for. But after a couple of years, they tend to fizzle because teams learn what they do. Lamar Jackson has to learn how to throw the football better if he wants to succeed. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Well, you can't forget Russell Wilson. He's also a, a guy that that that's able to run the ball and use his legs, and he's been incredibly successful too. So we can't forget about him. So make sure you got to mention Russell Wilson with the, the scrambling guys. All right. Okay. Moving on. Uh, let's see here. What do we have? A uh, one-point lead for Mike Lynch. All right. Um, you could tie this up. I even have a fourth option in, in case we tie this up. Okay. Um, it won't get tied. It's going to be more. We're going more college now. It's still <laughs> going to be in the football realm, but we're going to go to more college round. Um, Justin Herbert kind of, I, I don't know if he shocked anybody. I think some people, you know, expected this to happen. I think a lot of people, though, thought, you know, maybe this guy should be looking to go to the NFL, but decides to return to the um, college game to Oregon, uh, play with his brother next year. All of these great recruits that are coming in, love or hate, Justin Herbert made a bad decision returning to Oregon. Hey, um, I, I think he made a great decision by going back to Oregon. Um, he's, there's still some things Herbert can still work on to become uh, the overall number one pick in the draft. Like, I think he saw where he'd probably be going, and more than likely it'd be a place like Oakland or something like that, and he did a hard pass this year. So that's a good thing. You're not going to go to one of these terrible franchises that need a quarterback right now. At least when he goes next year, he's not going to go to somewhere like Oakland. I actually have some... I got some intel. I talked to a couple of U of O's players over the weekend and found out that, man, they knew two months ago that Justin Herbert was going to come back. I mean, I think that was just speculation for us. He knew when his brother committed to Oregon that he was probably going to stay and play for an additional year. So now you give Justin Herbert a year to get bigger, to become more accurate, to become more accurate, to really work on uh, escaping the pocket a little bit better than he actually does. Um, and then his hair, you know, to give him an opportunity for his hair uh, to grow a little bit. Like, how awesome is that going to look at the draft? This long <laughs> gold hair, you know what I'm saying, uh, flowing down his back. Jesse should know all about that at this point. But look at him I think trying to get brownie points. But also, but you just bought in. You bought in some incredible freshmen that are supposed to come in and be impact players for your team next year. Uh, you 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 got the number one uh, defensive player in the country to come play for you next year. You were you won nine games in a year with you sh- probably could have won 11 or 12 if you hadn't just tripped over your own feet in some of these games. So you look at an Oregon team that could possibly win the Pac-12 North, possibly even go to the college football cha- uh, playoff. Yes, absolutely. You made the right decision in coming back. Uh, I'm going to say love. He made the wrong decision. Now, the decisions were close, in my opinion. I think it was a hair decision between both of them. I can see the positives to coming back, getting to play with your brother, getting one more year to kind of work on your game. But I still think, A, if he went to the NFL draft, he's the top quarterback prospect in this year's NFL draft. I'm looking at a mock draft right now. The top two guys are Drew Locke from Mizzou and Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. Justin Herbert is better than both of those guys. He is. He's a better pro passing quarterback than both of those guys. So I think he made a bad decision because he left a ton of money on the table and he put risk on himself this year to get hurt, have a bad season again, because they're not going to fire Marcus Arroyo and he's not going to call anything that's going to be good for Justin Herbert. Like we saw this year. So you had add that risk, you lose that money and you don't get to be the number one pick basically. Now you could be next year where there's going to be better quarterback prospects next year as well. And it it might hamper the amount of money you make. That's why I think he made the wrong decision. I remember talking about this originally saying, I know it's close. I understand what he wants to do, but he should go to the NFL draft. I still feel that way. I understand why he said, I just think it was the wrong decision. 
All right. Well, good thing I have one last. Uh, Shouldn't have talked to us. Although you let Rashad go pretty long. Though. I did. He, I, he I, got I, the 10 second warning and he went for like 40 more seconds. That's not true. That's a, you'll I say mean, anything for me not to win, Lynch. I mean, I there, there is a, a little bit of truth to that. But, um, you know, every once in a while. I thought got... it was a point four, not the time the time thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was. It's hurt the sound. All right, sticking with the college game, um, there's been a lot of talk about the Pac-12. I mean, it even came out this week on um, the Dustin Cam show. I can't remember who who said it. Um, Joel Klatt? Phil Klatt, about how they... Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt, thinking that the uh, Pac-12 is going to uh, eventually disintegrate into all of the rest of the conferences as they eventually turn into super conferences. You know, we haven't won a lot in the football recently. Haven't won a lot in the basketball recently. And that's all that people care about, despite the fact that the conference champions wins more championships than any other conference. Love or hate? The demise of the Pac-12 is overly exaggerated. Love that it's way overly exaggerated. Number one, the one thing you have to think is the Pac-12, because we're talking about all the schools on the Pacific Ocean, for the most part. You know, so, man, you're talking about your, your Washington, Oregon, California. Those three states make up an entire coast. There's no way they're going to say, that, oh, well, yeah, we should just let those conferences join the Big 12. Remember there was talk of, like, Oklahoma State or something like that joining the Pac-12, you know, a while ago when they talked about doing all the, the crazy restructuring and redesigning and some of those things. I don't think that's that's coming. Mind you, the Pac-12 network hasn't been as successful as I think people in the within the Pac-12 offices wanted it to be but when you're putting on water polo no offense jesse and 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 college golf and college tennis that's not really what draws in eyes a lot of times to to some of those networks you look at the big 10 network sec network they're giving you football they're giving you basketball they're giving you the sports that people want to speak want to see pac-12 is trying their best to make sure they spread everything in there and i think with doing that you're kind of you know shooting yourself in the foot but i don't think that's that's coming anytime soon if it does come i think we'll be old guys i don't think we'll be doing the show anymore by the time they decide to let the Pac-12, quote-unquote, disintegrate. Uh, I'm going to say hate. I do think the demise is is exactly talked about, exactly where it should be, and here's why. The Pac-12 is good at two things, having great academic institutions and having really good kind of secondary and tertiary sports. They're great in track and field. They're great in swimming, et cetera. But what are the two sports that cause, A, people to view your conference a certain way, and B, make the most money? Football and basketball. The last few years, football has been bad in the Pac-12. They've done poorly in bowl games. They've done poorly against the non-conference opponents, and they haven't looked good. Basketball is even worse. Have you seen Pac-12 basketball this year? The the conference is a joke in basketball, and it hasn't been good in basketball for a couple of years. Oregon made the Final Four. That was good, and you know UCLA has been good a couple times. USC made the tournament once. This year, I would be shocked if any team beyond the winner made the tournament. You have an automatic bid from the winner of the conference. Beyond that, no one's going to make the tournament this year. That's how bad the Pac-12 Watch is. Watch any college basketball this year. So I don't think it's overstated because also the Pac-12 network is an abortion. It is it's awful. It is awful, and they cannot get it on direct TV, and they keep talking about how great it is, and it's not great. And they, the way to fix their problem is to hire a PR firm. Your problem is not PR. Your problem is on the field and on the court. It's just that simple. All right. Despite the fact that um, I agreed with Rashad in the final um, question, I, I do believe the Pac-12's uh, demise is overly stated. I, I think you guys brought it up in, in prime time. That look at where the Big 12 was a couple years ago. Look where they are now. It's a cyclical sport that way. I think the only one that really stays atop the 
the mountain right now is the SEC. If you take away Clemson from the else. ACC, what's ACC? Not much. So ACC's basketball, though. It, it is. It, you're right. Um, it, you take away. It, it, it. The fact is, is the the Pac-12 will come back around. It always has. Uh, with that said, our winner today, Mike Lynch. <laughs> Sorry, Rashad. This is super rigged, bro. I'm, I'm passionate, dude. I'm passionate about that last question. The Pac-12. This is rigged. The Pac-12 is doing nothing to help itself. Nothing. It's making wrong decision after wrong decision. Now, I do agree that it'll probably cycle back, but the fact that the Pac-12 is looked at as negatively as it is is right to me. They need a new. They need a new commissioner. They need a new. Like the the Pac-12 is the, the worst ran of of any of the the major five. You know, kind oh, yeah. of conferences like they're. they're they're awful, you know, and especially just be, you look at the referee situation, you know, just for 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 football referees. Like, why are you calling the game differently than an ACC, than an SEC, than a Big Ten referee would? Like, that's the silliest thing in the world to me. So, but the one thing we say is the Pac-12 is always going to produce a, a great quarterback. You know, you just mentioned if Justin Herbert comes out to, to this year, he's the number one quarterback. Before that, it was Mariota. Before that, it was Andrew Luck. You know, so. They're always going to produce at least one of the top quarterbacks in, in most drafts. All right, we got to go. Coming up next, we'll wrap this sucker up. This is Football Sunday on the fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. One final segment for us here on Football Sunday. The Chargers are calling a more conservative game plan than the Seahawks did yesterday. So that's nice, I guess. Well, they're up right now. So I guess when you're up, you can be as conservative as you want to, especially when you're going to get the team, you know, it's not awesome about moving the ball. You know, if you're the Seattle, I don't know how much confidence you had that Dak Prescott and company was going to be able to march down the field like they did on you. But, you know. Thank, thank God they had somebody like Ezekiel Elliott. I think the Chargers watched the game tape from their game two weeks ago and went, oh, that's how you stop Lamar Jackson. And they're very confident that they can stop him. And so far, the Ravens offense has looked anemic. Well, get tape on guys. Start slowing down. I mean, uh, please don't take this the wrong way. But once you got tape on Mahomes, Mahomes wasn't throwing t- six touchdowns a game anymore. No. It, it, granted, he's still really good. He's still really good, but I think he came back down a little bit, uh, back down to earth once he got five games of tape on him. Hell, the Rams also golf this year. Exactly. As the year went on, he got less and less effective. Granted, there were some injuries on that team too, but the offense didn't look quite as good as it did early in the year. But yeah, I think the Chargers think, A, they can stop the Ravens' offense anytime they want, and B, Ravens' defense is really good, like really, really good, so don't risk throwing the ball down the field against them. They're, the drives... Punt, fumble, punt, punt. They've got 34, 42, minus 14. Um, they've got like 36 total yards so far in this game. 38 total yards in this game. So yeah, so this is an important drive right now for Lamar Jackson. They have to make sure they can you know, get some positive yardage. And that right there is my point. Ugly. 
He Who just threw the ball down the field, and he threw it 30 yards over the head of the receiver and the cornerback. I just don't think that you just get to the to the NFL level, level and forget to th- how to throw the football. That's the interesting thing. You know thing what I mean? Like, that's the cool part. You won the Heisman because you were so good and he could at throw. throwing the ball and then using your feet. So all of a sudden, you get here, and it's like, I don't remember how to throw the ball accurately. I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. Now, I understand in, in NFL windows close so much faster than they do in college. Like, in college, you can throw guys open, you know, but in the NFL, that's not necessarily the case, man. Everybody is the best in the world, so the, the windows close incredibly fast. But that's what he's able to do right there is, is, is use his feet and get you 15, 16 yards real fast. I think one thing, I watched a lot of Louisville football when he was there. He was great at throwing the ball because his receivers were wide open always, always wide open down the field. It was, it was a joke. Um, and he ran the ball a lot, of course. That's why he won the Heisman. He was a dual-threat quarterback. You, but your point is correct. Windows close. Corners are way better in the NFL than the ACC. And he now doesn't have wide-open receivers. So when he doesn't have that, he's not good at playing quarterback. I think that's what we learned is it was kind of a little bit of a trick in college because his receivers were always open, and now they're not. Well, I mean, I'm not going to go as far as say that that he won't be good because I think he can be good. No one saw Brady being the guy. No one saw Russell Wilson being the guy. And let alone here we are five years later for Russell Wilson. He's one of the elites. And, you know, 15, 20 years later for Brady, and we're saying he's the, the best of all time. So give him time. This is only year one, so he can still improve. That is true. All right. I love these two weeks of shows. They're so fun. So easy. They're, they are easy, but they're fun because you get to react and you really go in-depth on a small amount of games, which you don't really get a chance to do when you've got a ton of games every single week. But uh, interception chargers. Not not Deshaun, not Lamar Jackson's fault. Well, it wasn't a good throw, though, let's be honest. I mean, it was on his, in the receiver's hands. He should have caught it. Just saying. We'll be back next week for the divisional round, which is arguably the better round as you get the, the best teams in each division as well, or in each conference as well as the teams that won this week. We'll have kind of a similar show that, that we did, as we did this week. We'll react to the two games from Saturday, preview the two games on Sunday, and uh, do hate it or love it, so it'll be fun. Join us on the Better You Today text on the 55305, and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Omaha! 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 This one's for Pat! Arrgh.